You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled today to have a very special guest with us, and that person is one of Whistle's trainers, and her name is Danny Weinberg. And Danny is a dog trainer and a behavior consultant. She has her own practice. It's called Dogs and Their People. And she also works with service dogs with Paws with a Cause, which is how I came to know Danny, because she has actually worked with two of my service dogs and myself, because not only did she work with my dog, but she had to train me as well. And that was my second dog, Morgan, and my current dog, Whistle. So Danny is one of our favorite people. She has a gosh, a long list of accolades, um, but one of them that I encourage all of our listeners to check out is Danny's book that she's written called Teaching People, Teaching Dogs, and Danny's going to talk with us today about her book, about her philosophy on dog training, and different tips and things that we all can try with our dogs and see if it works, but I can tell you, Danny is an expert and she can work wonders with you and your dog. So please come back and join us. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with dog trainer Danny Weinberg. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski touring and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. 
I'd like to welcome our very special guest today, Danny Weinberg. She's a dog trainer, and she's actually a trainer that works with me and my service dog, Whistle. So, welcome, Danny. Hi, Marcy. Thanks for that incredible introduction. How are my two favorite service dogs? Well, they are, I'm happy to say, Danny, they're behaving. Um, they're doing very well. Um, and they miss you and look forward to seeing you again soon. So they both send big, big tail wags and big kisses. I got them. Thank you. <laughs> They're wonderful well, dogs. Yeah. They are. And they are. And, and that's thanks to you as, as one of their trainers. They've had several in their lives, as you know, and as we'll talk about today. But we're just so glad you could be with us and talk about your experiences as a dog trainer because I always have so many people ask me as a service dog team member, how do you how do you train these dogs? How do you become a dog trainer? So so let's start out and, and talk with our let our listeners hear about how you became a trainer, Danny. Oh my goodness, this goes way back, Marcy, way back. <laughs> uh, first of all, I think your listeners will be interested to know that when I was growing up, I was afraid of dogs. Did I ever tell you that? You never told me that, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well, of uh, confession time, right? Wow. Uh, I grew up in an apartment in Manhattan. That's New York City, Manhattan. And um, my mother was afraid of dogs, and she didn't want to have a dog. Not many of us kids had dogs in the apartments, because you know, for obvious reasons. That it was well, maybe not obvious to people who don't live in a big city. So uh, for some reason, I don't remember any traumatic incident or anything, but I grew up afraid of dogs and cats, by the way, and it wasn't until I was 33 years old that I fell in love with my first dog, who happened to be a German Shepherd, uh, and you'll, you know that I have German Shepherds, and it's somehow one's first love becomes the dog you want for all your life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was quite an experience. My husband, Jerry, whom you know, always loved dogs, had one as a kid, and um, uh, we never really talked about having a dog when we first got married. So what happened was our neighbors across the street had this lovely, pale, cream-colored German Shepherd named, guess what, Heidi. <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> they were going away for Easter week or something, and they had someone come in to feed her and take care of her. But Heidi had this wonderful life. This was in a small city in upstate New York where she was allowed to do whatever she wanted to. And so she would make the rounds with the mail carrier in the whole neighborhood, and all the kids knew her and all the dogs knew her. So our job was simply to keep an eye on her, whatever that meant. I didn't know at the time. And one day, Jerry said, well, let's have her come into our house. And I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I guess I thought dogs were like wild animals, that their behavior was unpredictable. And, of course, the behavior of wild animals is not unpredictable either, but I didn't know that at the time. So she came in that day, and I'm sitting in a chair watching her walk around. You know how they check out a new place. 
And then all of a sudden, she spotted a big daddy long leg spider on the floor. And I watched her follow that spider intently. And then after she got tired of it, apparently, she opened her mouth and went, <laughs> and that was the end of the spider. <laughs> I watched this and I thought, oh, I knew she was going to do that. I guess they're predictable animals and I don't have to be afraid of them. So that was the moment that I fell in love with dogs. Oh, that was your aha moment. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, Danny. Well, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so then where did it go from there? Well, as you know, I had a career as an anthropologist, university professor, and uh, after a few more years, we inherited our uh, uh, Jerry's sister's dog when her, his sister was in a divorce. And it was like, you know, the child of a broken marriage. So we took the dog in, and it happened to be another German Shepherd, guess what? <laughs> So um, we took in Joe, and he was a wonderful, wonderful dog. And um, he would lay around and not do anything. And Jerry said to me one day, you know, I think he's lonely. I think we need to get a companion for him. So that was when we got our second German Shepherd, a backyard-bred dog. Now I just shudder at what we did, not knowing any better. And her name was Lily, and we... I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. We decided we always wanted to have dogs just like Joe and Lily, so we bred them. Now, this is something that I'm horrified at, looking back on it. I'm horrified at people breeding any old witch dogs and not leaving that job to breeders who really know how to do this, how to breed puppies that don't have horrible diseases and all these wonderful things that a professional breeder knows how to do. Anyway, <laughs> that was a long time ago, like about 35, 40 years ago. So uh, I guess I don't feel too guilty because at least now I understand my clients better who don't know these things yet, and I know how it felt when I didn't know them. So that started us on a whole long line of German Shepherd dogs, uh, and uh, we currently have two wonderful ones, a big boy and a young girl, and we're very, we can't, I can't imagine living without dogs at home. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I know, Danny, I've heard you describe yourself as a science-based trainer. So tell us, what, what do you mean by that? Well, the kind of training I do it has the nickname clicker training, and some of your listeners will have heard that name. Uh, but actually, it's one of the oldest forms of training, as old as traditional correction training. It goes back to uh, the early 40s during World War II when students of B.F. Skinner, the, the behaviorist, uh, were uh, uh, training dogs and all kinds of animals to do things that were useful for the war effort. And this is the kind of training they did. It was based on almost entirely positive reinforcement. And in fact, withholding reinforcement when the animal made a mistake in training was a very powerful way to communicate to the animal, that wasn't it, but do try again. So instead of 
jerking collars or yelling at them or kicking them or whatever people, traditional trainers used to do, and still some of them do, we take a very different approach. Uh, we, uh, we consider what a dog is as a biological entity, as an animal. We know what the dog is capable of and not capable of. For example, they don't know English. <laughs> my husband, you know, <laughs> Jerry always says, you know, you're going about this the whole wrong way. You should first teach them English and then just tell them what you want them to do. And he's right, you know, if we could do that. So we have to learn to communicate in dog language. And the clicker is simply a communication device that we use to tell the dog that was it, exactly what you're doing at this instant is perfect, and that earns you a treat or a chance to go for a walk or whatever the dog happens to want most at that moment. And it's so fast, and it's so much fun, and it's so easy that, you know, I used to do traditional training back in the old days before this kind of training had come into the world of dogs. And uh, so I know what that's like, jerking and popping and uh, pushing and pulling the dog into position. And this is just a whole wonderful new world. Not so new for me. I've been doing it for, let me see now, 15, 16 years. Uh, but I can't, I wouldn't even think of going back to the old ways. Well, I've watched you do that with Whistle, and the clicker it is just amazing. I mean, I just love it. It is so beautiful to watch his response to you. And first of all, I have to tell our listeners, whenever Danny comes to visit us, because she comes at least once a year to check in with me and recertification every year to two years, my dogs are so thrilled to see her come into the house, and they don't want to act like they're service dogs. They act like they're greeting another best friend dog, Danny. And to watch you interact with them with that clicker is just really beautiful. And how quickly they respond to it when you and I are trying to work with them to teach them something new or something different. It just goes so quickly with that. Yes, it does. And most of my clients who've never really trained a dog or who've used traditional correction-based training methods are amazed they, they just they never thought their dogs were educable or that their dogs could think. But you can see them thinking. It's all over their face. You they, can. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, we're going to have to stop for just a minute while we hear from our, our wonderful sponsors. And we'll be right back with Danny Weinberg and continue this amazing discussion. So please come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. 
For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win With Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs at Pet Life Radio. We're talking today with dog trainer Danny Weinberg. And Danny, we've been having a, a great conversation about your experiences, and we've been talking about clicker training. And I, I wanted to ask you, Danny, because I've always heard some people say, give dogs treats, don't give dogs treats. What are your thoughts about treats? Well, uh, the treat is the payoff that the dog has earned by performing a behavior that I like. And what happens in clicker training is we let the dog think that it's their idea to do this. See, So the click tells them, oh, yes, that was a very good idea, doggy. <laughs> and now you're going to get your payoff. That was the click is the information message that they did something right and the the treat is the payoff, just like you get a paycheck at the end of the week or month or whatever. It isn't enough for the boss to come around and pat you on the back and say, doing a great job there. The page, If you didn't get the paycheck, you wouldn't stay at work at that organization. At least I don't think so. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so the treat thing is very strategically done. We don't use treats as bribes. We use them as uh, rewards, as outcomes uh, after the fact, after the behavior that we get that we've wanted. And uh, the reason we start out by using treats, we don't have to use them forever, is because they're very efficient. Now, the treats that I use are not um, milk bone dog biscuits. They're little tiny soft things, which you can, you know, you can cut anything into little tiny soft things. So the dog doesn't have to stop and chew it, forget what he or she was doing. That really interrupts the training session. And in the same way, if you were to use a toy, let's say throw a ball as the payoff for getting the behavior you wanted, by the time the dog goes out and gets the ball and brings it back, he's probably forgotten what what was it we were working on again. In fact, I may have forgotten for that matter. So uh, the treats are used early on, and uh, once the dog knows the behavior, you no longer need the clicker, 
and the treat, you always want to give some sort of payoff for good behavior, the treat might be, as I said before, whatever the dog wants at that moment. So, for example, if we're going out for walks, we go to the door, uh, dog may or may not have his leash on yet, and I wait for the dog to sit before I'll open the door. And I expect him to sit while I open the door and go across the threshold and look back and smile at him and then say, okay, let's go for our walk now. So it's a kind of contract using the, the treats in quotes is how I always put it. Uh, the treat might even be as simple as a, what a good boy, or a, a smile, or a word of praise. That was well done, kiddo. So once the dog knows the behavior, you don't need the clicker and you don't need the food anymore, but you do need to reinforce what you like, just as we do with people. Uh, when, somebody, when somebody in that same office I mentioned before does something really good, and their supervisor comes around and says, hey, you know that report you gave me the other day? I really liked what you did with it. The information was very useful and so on and so on. So you're not just patting them on the back. You're saying exactly what was good about it, and that's really important. So that's the idea of treats. Now, people always say to me, well, um, what about people food? <laughs> well, a lot of the treats I use in training are, in fact, people food. People say, well, what about uh, won't the dog come begging at the table if you get him used to people food? Or won't he uh, not want his dry kibble anymore if you get him used to that? Well, uh, who's in charge here is what I always say to them. If he comes begging to the table, then he doesn't, you don't have to give him a treat if he's begging, but if you ask him to do something like lie down politely next to your chair, like my husband does, I don't, okay, he lies down and maybe he'll get a little piece of treat or dog treat or a little tiny bit of uh, whatever's on my husband's plate. Mostly we keep a box of dog treats on the dining room table and that's what the dogs get. As far as not being satisfied with his own food, you know, dog food, well, uh, <laughs> you, you're the one that buys the dog food, right? So you just give it to him. And dogs don't want to starve to death, you know, just like people. So even if he skips a meal or two meals, eventually he'll figure out, if I don't eat my food, I won't, I'll be hungry. So uh, it's almost like we're uh, handing over the responsibility of raising our dogs to them. Now, we wouldn't do that with our children. I like to think of dog training as being about uh, being a good parent. Dogs never grow up. That's one of the things we love about them. They're always our little kitties, but they're not children in fur coats. They're dogs. And if we treat them as well as I hope most of us treat our children these days, Nothing bad will happen. They'll be happy. They'll be respectful, just like I hope our children will be. <laughs> they, they won't grow up, and that's kind of a nice thing about dogs. Right, right. Well, you know, Danny, in, in talking about the clicker training, what would you recommend if someone wanted to start working with their dog in clicker training? What kind of training would you recommend, and how could they find out about training in their areas? Well, uh, they can 
look up on Google Quaker training uh, wherever they live, let's say Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they'll probably find my name right at the top of the list. <laughs> or they can look up um, dog behaviorist if they have a behavior problem. Let's say their dog is always jumping on people who come to the house or um, the dog is afraid of certain kinds of people they meet on walks. So that's a behavior issue, and it involves some training in the process, but uh, you might then want to look for someone who knows more about behavior than just about training how to, how to teach a dog to sit on cue, down mm-hmm. on cue, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, another thing I, I wanted to talk to you about, Danny, and and get your insights on is how did you go from being a dog trainer of pets into becoming a dog trainer of service dogs and working with service dog teams? How did that evolve? Well, that's a very interesting question, Marcy. I started out as a people trainer, teaching for many years, teaching all kinds of things, and I always saw myself not as teaching anthropology or whatever the subject matter was, but teaching people. And so what I do now is really more about teaching people than training dogs. And of course, you know that in uh, a service dog team, the dog arrives, at least when it's paused with a cause, the dog arrives well-trained. But the dog is coming from Michigan, in our case, arriving in the high desert of New Mexico, totally different environment, climate, everything. And uh, the important thing is to create a team out of this person who has never, well, they never met each other. The dog knows all these wonderful service dog behaviors, but has never worked with this particular person before. So uh, I see myself as much as a, a people trainer as a dog trainer in the service dog work. And so how I got there seems perfectly natural to me. And and actually, I do a lot of my behavior consulting and training, even outside of the service dog work I do, in the same way, teaching people, not just that, but persuading them. Uh, In other words, I use the same positive reinforcement methods with my human clients as I do with their dogs. I can be testament to that. Yes, you did it to me when, um, you know, because it is very um, daunting when you first get your service dog. This dog shows up at your home. In my case, the dog was delivered to my home. And I remember you guys gave me a box of some really cool things of his outfit, his backpack, some leashes, all kinds of good things that I needed for Morgan. And then you told me to bond with my dog and you'd see me in a week. <laughs> and you gave me a little manual full of commands, and it, and it was very daunting. But you, a big part of your work with, with Morgan and myself was making me feel comfortable and making me feel like it was possible and showing me some easy tips. And, and I had to learn about treats at that point because I had never, my first service dog, I did not give treats to. And so that was a different way of thinking for me and that, you know, that it was okay to give 
retreats and how to do that, which was very, very helpful. And I learned how, like you were describing, to give the little pieces and to have them on me, which as a wheelchair user could sometimes be challenging. So you worked with me to problem solve with some of those things that could give me the tools that I needed to work with my service dog, which has been so helpful and helped to alleviate stress for them and stress for me. Well, that's what I love most about working with service dog teams is the problem-solving aspect. And I can think of several examples with Morgan and with Whistle. Do you remember when we were working on, I guess it was Morgan and his get help behavior, where you were at one end of the house and you needed to have help from your husband, Franz, at the other end of the house. And the command that uh, Morgan had learned was, get help, but he wasn't responding to it. Do you remember that? Right, I remember it very well. So we tried it, and we tried it, and then you or Franz, one of you mentioned, well, when I say get Franz, he knows what to do. <laughs> That's so right. I said, okay, <laughs> okay, then we'll change the command to get Franz. Simple, right? Right. Uh, another one I remember, I think it was with Morgan also, was um, when we were working with him on opening doors. And, of course, he had never opened a door that had glass panes up and down the door, like your door does. And we had hung the strap that he uses to grab and pull, and I was standing on the wrong side. Do you remember that? I remember, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So we're, we're, we're giving him his cue to pull the door open, and it's not happening. He's trying and trying, and he can't pull it open. And then I realized, aha, this is a physics problem, right? <laughs> so I changed where I was standing, and then he could move in the correct direction to get the door open. So that kind of thing I just love, improvising right. and problem-solving. Yeah, well, and I remember another instance where Morgan didn't want to get in my van. He had a, a fear of riding in my van there when I first got him and how you would have me get him in the van and give him a treat when um, he would get on the seat. And then he loved getting in the van. It was a fun, exciting thing for him, and it just made it, it, made it so much easier. But it's just those simple little things and that positive reinforcement for not only the dog, but for the human as well, that really makes a huge, huge difference. Gosh, Danny, we're just talking. There's so many things I could talk to you about, but I do want to ask you one more question before we have to end our, our visit today, and that is, if someone wanted to become a dog trainer, if they're doing a totally different profession, and they want to become not only a dog trainer, but a service dog trainer, what would you recommend to them, Danny? Well, the first thing I'd recommend is that they get a lot of experience with a lot of different, different dogs, because the, the foundation is the same, whether it's a, a family pet or a service dog. So one way to do that is to volunteer at a shelter and be a dog walker or whatever, I don't know about how lowly the jobs are in shelters, but certainly interacting with many different kinds of dogs and learning how, what dogs are as a species. And then beyond that, uh, maybe if there's a local uh, service dog training organization or somebody who does that professionally, to see if you could apprentice with them or... Um, Maybe just shadow them when they're working with 
the team that they're currently working with. In other words, go along and watch how they do things. As I said, the, the probably the most important thing about working with a service dog team is working with the human in the team. So it isn't enough to just love dogs and be good at training dogs. Many of the large organizations in the country that uh, place service dogs have already trained the dogs. So you don't have to do that part, although you may have to make adjustments in the training. But the most important part that you would have to do would be the work with the person in order to create a real good team of person and dog. And I think you made such a good point about telling people to volunteer with their local shelters and volunteer with assistance dog agencies or any other type of dog training facility that you might be interested in getting into that career path of being a trainer and working with dogs. And and on our website at www.workinglikedogs.com, we have a list of all the assistant dog agencies that are certified through Assistance Dogs International on our site. So we, I encourage our listeners, if you're really interested, you could check out all of the agencies and see if there's one in your area that you could volunteer with and, and see how, if you're interested, you could follow that path. And if you're someone interested in getting an assistance dog, you can check out those agencies and contact them for the application process. Well, Danny, I'm so sorry, but our time is really coming to an end today, but I can't thank you enough for joining us and sharing your information and insights, and I really want to tell people again about your book, Teaching People, Teaching Dogs, and Danny, how can our listeners reach you if they want to talk with you about a session or other information of how you could work with them? Well, uh, I can give you my email address, and that's pretty simple. So it's Danny W., and I'll spell that. D-A-N-I-W at earthlink.net. Great. I'd love love to hear from people, whether it's just a casual question or wanting to do some work with me or wanting some advice about something. I'd love to hear from people. I just love working with people and their dogs, which is dogs and their people is the name of my business. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Danny. It's been great to visit with you. And Morgan, Whistle, and Franz, and I look forward to seeing you very soon. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Danny. And thanks all of you for listening and to tuning in to Working Like Dogs at PetLifeRadio.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or any ideas for a future show, please email me. I'd love to hear from you. And my email address is Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. So this is Marcy and Whistle signing off, and we hope you'll come back and visit us at Working Like Dogs again very soon. And thanks to our producers and sponsors for making Working Like Dogs possible. So take care, and we look forward to being with you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.